You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network for a episode that we've been all waiting to get to because we've talked about all the previous films, we've previewed this film, and now we've finally seen the film, and we can talk about this in its complete entirety with no spoilers because we will announce what we're going to do separately in regards to Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. It's finally out, well, at least in Australia and North America. Uh, It's been out in other places for a long time, but we're behind the times on this side of the world and their side of the world. Excited to talk about this. It's an interesting film and one that I'm sure we can talk little about until we get to our spoiler episode. My name is Ben, and do you remember the first time you listened to this podcast? The awe, the amazement, then realise how shit it was after a while? Oh, that was just quoting a review of us on iTunes. Um. <laughs> oh, well, we meant to say something different. Oh, it was something about the movie. Oh, <laughs> a new one came out this morning. My name is Colin, and it took 25 years, but Jurassic Park just jumped the Mosasaurus, people. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, <laughs> Jurassic World Fallen <laughs> Kingdom. Now, we'll start off by saying, um, we said during our preview episode, and I think our exact quote was, we won't need to do a spoiler episode for this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And what was the first thing Colin said when he got out of the movies? We need to do a spoiler episode on this. Uh-huh. So, uh, if you're listening to this right now and you've seen the film and perhaps you kind of want to hear more of the in-depth discussion about some of the big things, and particularly one thing in particular, then perhaps uh, listen to our spoiler episode, which will be posted about the same time. But this episode is just kind of our generic spoiler-free review. We'll rate the movie. We'll just talk about some of the main things here and then obviously get into some of the wider discussion in the next episode. But, I mean, straight away, um, can I just say that I actually really enjoyed this movie a lot more... I figured you would. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot more than I think I was going to. But can I just say that... There is a p- certain part of this movie which, again, we will allude to in the next one, which I'm not a fan of. So don't think I'm going full die another day here. Um, but for the most part, I think, I was just starting off, is that, you know, we went into this movie kind of not expecting a whole lot. I mean, I remember just in the lead up to seeing this, Mallory kept saying, like, are you excited? Are you excited? And I'm like, well... I'm kind of just scared because I'm thinking this is going to be like full Last Jedi. We're going to walk out of this and it's just going to be Mm -hmm. absolutely rubbish. But I actually did leave the cinema really enjoying it. Um, I think it was unique that they did something different and that we just didn't have a generic movie on an island, um, which we kind of knew we were going to get. But, I mean, that could have easily turned a certain way. And I think that it has set up some interesting things uh, moving forward. But, again, having said that, there is a twist that is ridiculous. So I'll just leave it at that for the moment. Yeah, we'll get into that in the next episode. Or uh, (laughs) if you've already seen the movie, go listen to that one now, because I'm sure it's going to be a lot more fun than this. Uh, I'm just going to start off by saying I did enjoy this movie. I enjoyed it enough that even though I spent probably the entire second half of this just constantly chuckling to myself, Jamie's turning and saying, what, what? And I'm like, this is so stupid. (laughs) Um, I also finished by saying, you know what? I kind of want to see it again already. And I'm already trying to figure out when I'm going to go see this a second time. But, like, let's be honest, this is full-fledged cartoon. Like, nobody is ever going to be able to mock The Lost World or Jurassic Park 3 for their absurdity after this. This is, like, a whole different level. I've been trying to explain this to people. It's just a whole different level of ridiculousness and, you know, over-the-top twists and 
I mean, even just the basic parts of the story, it's like it, it played out in a way like the pilot to Jurassic World, the animated series. Like, there's so little <laughs> logic in this movie. But as much as I just, I, I spent a lot of this just being like, ah, this isn't working. This isn't working. There's a handful of sequences in this movie that just blew me away enough where I'm like, I just want to see that part again. Um, I do feel like the movie scales down a lot. You know, it kind of goes from being Jurassic World to Jurassic Backyard, which is one of the big problems when you get closer to the end of this movie. But still, overall, like, I wasn't really bored. There was probably a good, good half hour here where I was definitely bored. But uh, for the most part, I mean, it's still enjoyable. But go into it, like Ben has said, with lower expectations uh, and be prepared to get a little bit newer of appreciation for the intelligence of the lost world in Jurassic Park 3. It's it's interesting you say that because I, I didn't know how you were going to feel that. But, I mean, I don't come out of this talking down on it as much as you are. Like, in terms of, like, there is a twist for sure, but I think this film, like, I can definitely see everything you're saying. I'm not going to say you're wrong, but I just, I think I enjoyed it more on a level that I don't come out of it thinking it's as, I don't say, did you say it was dumb? As dumb as you bet. Oh, it is downright <laughs> dumb. Like, this is a, this is a terribly immature, poorly written movie, but fun. But yeah, it is dumb. I think, I mean, we'll have to, I don't know if we'll do it in this one or our spoiler one, probably this one when it comes to like rating over these overall. Uh, I'll say this straight out. I enjoy, I like this better than Jurassic World. Um, which mm-hmm. means I like it better than Jurassic Park 3. So, <laughs> it's definitely that. But with you, like, I, I'm already trying to work out when I, when I'll see this again. Um, I think kind of just going on the fact that they do something differently, like, yeah, okay, I can see what you say, like Jurassic World Backyard, but I, I think the parallels to this film to the Lost World, particularly early on, I don't know if you're watching this early on in this film, but the whole time you're going, oh my god, this is just like Lost World 2.0, like they're just setting mm. this up exactly the same way. Um, and I think kind of going into this, I knew reading some of the reviews that it's kind of a film set to three distinct parts and you can really tell that. And also a problem, one problem this film does have is the majority of everything you know is coming is in the trailers. So it's kind of, it's not really a movie that will surprise you except for one twist. Um, but I, I just don't know what it was about it that I, I kind of left just thinking, wow, that was actually just unique because I think it had a, a very much a feel of trying to pay homage a lot to some Michael Crichton stuff, which I know a lot of Jurassic Park fans have been saying out there as well. And um, I think that that maybe is where I appreciate a little bit more. And I think also one of the reviews I'd read was saying that, oh, they were so concentrated on just setting up the sixth film. And I can see where they did it, but I think that it wasn't as bad as I was assuming it was going to be. Like, there are definitely mm-hmm. things which they've gone out of their way to set up for the sixth film. But I think leaving this cinema, watching this film, and I said this to Mallory pretty much straight away, it's like, you leave Jurassic World, and you're like, yeah, okay, that was good. What are they going to do for the next one? Uh, this is the yeah. first time I think I've ever left a Jurassic Park film. and holy crap, I can't wait for the next film. Like, I think it's just, it's really setting mm-hmm. it up. But, um, you know, J.A. Biona, I read an interview with him basically saying about how much he paid attention to the Michael Crichton novels and how much he read them to look at the source material. So I think that there's definitely a homage there to Michael Crichton. And a, a good review I read about this was that Jurassic World was a love letter to Steven Spielberg in the original film. This is a love letter to Michael Crichton and the novels. I think it's just the impatience of this movie where they spoil some things that I think could have really been great. Like... You know, the Jeff Goldblum scene, which, I mean, we won't consider this a spoiler, 
it is one scene that's just shown at the opening of the movie and the closing, just two parts. And it is basically 10 seconds longer than what you see in the trailer. But the idea of what that introduces about should these dinosaurs be saved, shouldn't they? That was such an interesting idea that just got dropped immediately after he ended his speech. And then they bring it up briefly at the end, which is another thing that we'll have to save for the spoiler one, uh, about how I think they kind of just dump all over this intelligent idea. But even just other things, like everything in this movie is just so rushed. You know, the, when they get to the island, they're trying to save them. We've already seen in the trailers, you know, there's some type of double cross. That happens after like 10 seconds. And I'm like, what was the point of any of this? And uh, the movie's just, it's so quick to jump from one thing to the next. And it spends so much time focused on making this almost a little bit, like I said, cartoony of an adventure story. This felt like Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull as far as the tone goes. And it's just there wasn't a lot of the science or the intelligence or the philosophy that the other movies had. Like even Jurassic Park 3 had more philosophy than this did. And I, there were moments where I think they really could have done something with that. You know, when Henry Wu finally comes back in, I was surprised. I'm like, whoa, I didn't see them going in this direction and introduce this really interesting idea that, again, just got dropped immediately. Hmm. So I think there was there was some good ideas for this movie here. And there just wasn't enough time. Yeah, style-wise – this is the closest to like Jurassic Park we've ever seen uh, for you know the, the the action, the level of the terror, how uh, the dinosaurs are portrayed and everything. Um, but they lost it a lot on the story by just too much of it just being action scenes that were completely meaningless because you have no time to develop characters. I do want to say one thing though. I am no more sold on Owen and Claire <laughs> than I thought I was going to be going into this. Like I am so over them. But there are two new characters that are introduced in this movie that I spent half the movie trying really hard to hate. And by the end of the movie, just out of nowhere, I'm like, I love these characters. Oh, I want no, them to not be you characters. too. This is yes. us. This is, this is the thing that's annoying me, is that I'm reading all these reviews and seeing all these things that people are talking about, Franklin and Zia. Oh, they're amazing. They're not. They're rubbish. And you can take these two out of the movie. They achieve nothing in this film. I am not sold on Zia and Franklin. To me, like, no, nah, I was not a fan. They're, they're the rose of Jurassic World all of a sudden now. They, they definitely go a bit too far with most of the characters. Like, this is where... I would compare this in a way to Last Jedi, where th this movie presented itself like we're going to be dark again, but then it just goes so bold on the comedy at times, where it's almost too much, and I think their characters are a good example of that, but there was something in the second half of the movie where I did get won over by them, where I just started liking their characters. Maybe it was because they, they pulled back a little bit from like this really over-the-top, quirky uh, you know, personality that felt like it belonged more in a sitcom like Parks and Recreation than it did in a Jurassic World movie. Um, it's not that there's any, they, they contribute anything to the movie. It's just I find them infinitely more interesting to watch than I do Owen and Claire, who, I mean, Claire I thought was okay in the last movie. I think that she's gone a step down just in terms of how interesting she is as a character because she's just a generic you know, leading character in a movie like this, I feel like Owen got a little bit more interesting with some of the the backstory stuff we see in the trailer, the, the YouTube videos he's watching of himself with, <laughs> with Baby Blue. We get a little bit more personality out of him. 
But still, I just they spend so much of this movie still just cramming him down your throat. Yeah. Where, where it gets to the point where the, this won't spoil anything, but you have the meeting of all the characters for the first time, and he, he feels the need to be like, I drove my motorcycle along with a pack of raptors in the jungle. <laughs> like, yes, we know. Uh, and there's yeah, a I... cut line, which we'll talk about in the spoiler review. Well, there's a cut line from this movie where I'm like, Colin Trevor literally just has the biggest man crush on Chris Pratt, where he just can't contain himself. <laughs> I um I can't disagree. I mean, we talked about this, I think, in the preview one and some of the other episodes, that this is the first Jurassic Park movie where they've full-on kept, you know, two main stars into the next movie is kind of, you know, continuing on. You know, I mean, technically you could say you had that with Malcolm in the Lost World, but, I mean, you only had one sort of person in a cameo with, um, with Hammond. Whereas this, I mean, you can almost take out them from this movie again entirely. Um <laughs> And kind of just concentrate perhaps on, you know, the James Cromwell character and, um, you know, Eli and all these sort of things. Because I think I was expecting to kind of be annoyed, particularly by this Maisie stuff going on. And again, we'll yeah. get to the spoiler review. But like, the character of Maisie wasn't necessarily annoying. And I think kind of it was intriguing around mm-hmm. the mansion, kind of, you know, how we had Maisie with, with, uh, you know, Lockwood and sort of the, what was she like, a, a housekeeper and, Eli, and I actually found that stuff a lot more fascinating than I thought I would. And then even our mercenary guy, uh, who collected the teeth. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was cool. Like, there were so many of these ones that just, it just didn't go anywhere enough. I felt like I'd rather learn more about these people than what we're doing with Claire and, and, um, Owen. Because, like, the thing that really annoyed me with Claire and Owen was just, again, the continuing will they, won't they, and obviously they got together, but then they broke up. Like, who cares? Like, I mean, again, we've gone over this in all the other Jurassic Park movies that there's just a subtlety about the romance in these films that you don't need to kind of have this shoved down your throat. And what you said before, too, about, like, the opening bits when you kind of got the Senate committee and discussing the, the dinosaurs and even this dinosaur protection group sort of, you know, style thing, I feel that that would have been much more interesting being explored. And... You know, we knew going into this that Jeff Goldblum literally had a cameo, but I really wanted that to be explored more because, and I'm not just yeah. saying because it's Jeff Goldblum. It it was exciting. Well, it was exciting to see him, but it was entertaining and fascinating to hear his his viewpoint from this. Um, and I think that you know but we could you, have explored that a lot was... more. And we don't need to bring back Claire and Owen just to rehash what we had in the previous film. And do you get what I'm saying, though? Like, they introduced that the very first scene, this interesting moral dilemma about Mm. should the dinosaurs be saved, shouldn't they? And then it's never meant, like, the dinosaur protection group exists in this movie throughout the entire movie or whatever. Like, it's not a huge part. It's kind of just the setup for what's Claire doing there. But nothing is even hinted at until you get all the way to the climax. You almost forget about this whole moral dilemma that they brought up at the beginning of the movie. And when it gets introduced on the end, it's done in a way that's just, again, so cartoony yeah. where you're left scratching your head like, I'm not feeling compelled to, to really think about like the, the moral implications of this. I'm more just thinking, like, how dumb is this? Like, <laughs> Well, we'll have to get into it more in the spoiler one, but it's, it's just the wrong direction. They, take, they introduce a great idea and they take it in the wrong direction when they finally bring it back up again two hours later. I, I mean, yeah, I agree I, uh, with that for the most part. I think kind of in the spoiler one we can talk a little bit more about kind of around that because I will say the closing bit, like, because the opening bit with, with Malcolm, that's really not in the trailer. It's the closing bit that's all those lines in the trailer. And to yeah. me, when I kind of first saw the opening bit, I thought, well, that's Malcolm's cameo. They just obviously created what we saw in the trailer for the trailer. 
Um, and I wish they had of, because, yeah, like, I think it's very hammy and very, like, yeah, cartoony. I will say the one thing, um, with Jeff Goldblum and, and the Malcolm character, the, the one thing that I was really worried about this was that this was going to be like Independence Day 2 in the fact that, you know, yes, he was in the sequel. Yes, he was maybe the only good thing about the Independence Day resurgence, but it, it didn't feel like his character. It didn't feel like David Levison yeah. from it. Like they just, it was just an mm-hmm. over the top cartoon. This is Jeff Goldblum. Ha 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 ha. This is what he's like. Whereas this mm-hmm. to me, particularly in that opening scene, it felt like Ian Malcolm. Like that was, yeah. I was so glad that they didn't cartoonize Ian Malcolm. Like this legitimately just looked like Ian Malcolm from the first two films with a grey hair and grey beard. So, that is one thing that surely you can agree with, that he did still feel like Malcolm, at least in that opening scene. Yeah, it's amazing because if you combine the opening scene and the closing scene that he's in, which really is one scene just split up, it's maybe two, two and a half minutes of screen time, period. And it takes about 15 seconds of that opening scene for me to be like, this is Ian Malcolm. And even though I was like, I was not a hundred percent on board with, you know, the, the hatred as we talk about the lost world about he's not even playing Ian Malcolm. It's a completely different character. I did get some of that in the lost world, but this movie more so 15 seconds in, it really just, it drove home the point of how much they really missed in the lost world with how his character was written, with how he portrayed it. Because I feel like he nailed the Jurassic Park Ian Malcolm better in 15 seconds in the opening of this movie than he did in two hours and 15 minutes in The Lost World. Well, we can definitely, when in the spoiler one, talk about obviously the ending and sort of what it sets up. But I'll say now that I think kind of the sixth film, they have to bring him back. And I will say now Mm -hmm. they have to bring back Grant and Ellie. And I think that, you know, if no one's ever said if the sixth one's going to be the last one. But, uh, you know, I think that that just the way this has been set up, I think it would be perfect if, you know, they bring Malcolm back in more of a capacity as well as Grant and Ellie, and not just as fans of Jurassic Park, but I think it kind of almost makes sense in a way that they could bring them back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get to the point where they're just cramming cameos in there for the sake of cramming it in there, but if I had to choose between a really forced Alan Grant, Ellie Sadler, uh, Ian Malcolm movie, or <laughs> Claire and Owen the third time around, I know which one I'm picking. I mean, at this point... I honestly, and we made fun of it, but if they centered a movie around Henry Wu, I'd probably be more on board with that than Owen and Claire. And there's nothing wrong with them in this movie. It's just, Mm. they're just there. And the moments where they really try to give them characters, it's too much. And it's that subtlety that we mentioned, like with the love story between uh, Grant and Ellie in the first one, or these little mannerisms and and the, the kind of quirky way that Ian Malcolm spoke that they wrote in Jurassic Park that just made those characters endearing. There's nothing endearing about any character in this movie. I mean, I said how much I loved Zia and um, uh, Franklin uh, by the end of this movie, but, I mean, they're not great characters. They're not going to... If I'm going to want a meaningless character to carry this movie, I would rather them over Owen and Claire. But even the other characters in this movie, like you mentioned Eli, who's, I guess, the villain in this movie. Um, Toby Jones, who plays... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's another problem is it just like everything else in this movie, they take it so far where it just becomes completely cartoony and unrealistic. Like there was a point in this movie uh, when it starts getting you know later into it, uh, like where the Indoraptors revealed and everything, where I'm literally turning to Jamie and I'm redubbing the dialogue. For the, Welcome to our evil meeting and our evil lair, you know, <laughs> where we'll do our evil bidding. 
about taking over the world in evil, <laughs> ominous ways. Like, that's the way these characters are written, where it's like, no human being on the planet is going to be like this. Well, I mean, one thing, though, surely can you agree that Eli is a better villain than uh, Fat D'Onofrio in the last film? <laughs> um, I mean, I thought that he was given more to do in this, but I think... Maybe it would be different when I watch it a second time, but I think on first viewing, I, I have very similar complaint, I guess, with Eli than I did with uh, uh, D'Onofrio's character in the last one, which is, I just felt like, again, it, they were just making him unlikable. They were forcing the unlikable parts of him down your throat just so that it would force you to like the character. The same thing I complained about for five hours when we talked about Titanic. You can't just make your heroes heroes by making everybody else buffoons. But I think with D'Onofrio's character, when we did the recap, we kind of pinpointed it's like a lot of what he's saying actually does make sense. And he's not doing anything wrong here. They have Eli doing things where there's nothing questionable about it, but there's also nothing logical about it. Like we'll have to talk about the spoiler review, but nothing about his plan makes sense in this movie. There's this is a film, I think, with smart people doing very dumb things because um, yeah. we will get to the spoiler one. But there are some. Like, there are literally moments where we're just looking at each other, Mallory and I, and just like, why didn't they do this? And Mallory turned to me at one point, and the most glaring plot hole in this film about the ending, <laughs> which, like, I looked at her and I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, why didn't they just do that? <laughs> 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 so, like, I, just- I, I'm wondering... This, our next episode may end up being a battle over who's got the bigger plot hole, because yeah. <laughs> we, we probably but, have a couple of them to talk about. Yeah, but I mean, I just... I I enjoyed it, but, like, I think kind of the thing with it is that, you know, the cartoony side of it and everything, and maybe I just enjoyed that a little bit more, how I like Die Another Day, but I think there's just, there was more that we could have explored, and going back to my point where, like, don't focus on Owen and Claire, you know, don't focus on this side of things, like, if we had to focus more on the, you know, the Lockwood Manor and kind of things, because that, that is the stuff that I genuinely found interesting, and I think that, going back to what I said at the very beginning about how this was a unique Jurassic Park, they tried to do something different, and I think, kind of, at the end of the day, whether we're laughing at this as being cartoony, evil people with a dinosaur in a cage selling it to the Russians, like, I mean, it's still, it's a different movie, like, I mean, as much as we enjoy Jurassic World, you know, like, as we've always said, each of the Jurassic Park movies were... All essentially the same movie. This is the first one where you can say, okay, this isn't the same as the other ones, except for a few homages here and there to, to Jurassic, you know, Jurassic, there was at least a couple for the first Jurassic Park. There was heaps of Lost World. There was even a couple there for, uh, for Jurassic Park 3. So I think kind of, again, there, it wasn't like Jurassic World where the nostalgia was shoved down your throat, like, hey, look at this. Remember this from the first film? Yeah. Like there was a lot more subtle in this film, which, I actually really appreciated a lot more than Jurassic World, even though obviously I still like the the nostalgia in Jurassic World. But this was done, I think, for a homage to the fans more so than just uh, everyone seen Jurassic Park. They'll remember this bit. And I, I don't know if we want to save some of those little uh, tributes that this movie has for the spoiler review, but I counted ones from pretty much every single Jurassic Park movie, like one, two, three, Jurassic World. So, but they are, they're definitely a lot more subtle. Like I was turning to Jamie and turning to my nephew who was with us and saying, Hey, look, that's the part from Jurassic Park. Except for the one part, my nephew's like, that's from Jurassic Park (laughs) three. He's freaking out. And I'm like, Whoa, you're right. I wouldn't have noticed it otherwise. So yeah, they're not cramming anything down your throat. Um, but I feel like the missed opportunity again here is in scale. And I'm not one of these people who thinks you need to go bigger and better with the sequels. You know, that's kind of the, the, the Transformers, 
issue that they had, or even like with the first Avengers movie, they had to scale back with the second Avengers movie because everything just became, well, let's destroy a city. But I kind of walked out of this thing, you know, in a way, I, I, I liked the different setting, but I feel like I was missing the park in this. And mm. it's only now as we're talking about this, I'm realizing it's not the park I'm missing, it's the scale. And that's where this evolving into Jurassic Backyard it just didn't feel big enough for me in the end. Yet at the same time, even though I didn't love all the stuff that we see at the mansion at the end and, and um, uh, like story-wise, action-wise, I feel like that's the one point where I was able to forget a lot of the absurdity of this movie and just kind of be thrilled a little bit. See, it's interesting you say that. Like, I can see your point about missing the park, but I, for one, didn't. And I think kind of this goes back to what I was saying in Jurassic Park 3, that we had these ideas of dinosaurs on the mainland and kind of, you know, discovering that. And we had that one where Alan Grant's investigating. You know, it's very similar right back to the very first book, which was kind of the plot that was taken out of the movie. And I think that's what I appreciated about this film, that it's like, as much as I love it on the park and everything along those lines, like I've always wanted to see more of a film about dinosaurs on the mainland, hence maybe why I like the T-Rex in San Diego scene and everyone hates it. So I kind of appreciated this sort of the setup and kind of ultimately what it's going to lead to the next one. Going back to what I said, I'm really looking forward to the sixth movie with what this is set up. Um, but what like you're obviously saying there with the action side of things, I mean, this film is... Sh- Surely you can agree with it. It's an incredibly shot film. Um, I mean, visually, yeah. this film is fantastic. It's It's got tension. I mean, the amount of jump scares that's in this film that Mallory, like, shat herself next to me. Yeah. There was one scene that I literally jumped out of my seat, you know. For the most part, the the jump bits, you're kind of watching, oh, I know something's about to happen here. Uh, but there was one scene which I was like, oh, fuck, and, like, just jumped out of my seat. But this just looks fantastic. Um, it really, you know, you can really get that vibe from Bayona about sort of his horror roots uh, i watched the impossible about a week or so ago and kind of saw his you know his his version of that type of action and kind of just it's it's blended in so well and i think i appreciate what bayon has done here more so than uh trevor o with jurassic world um and maybe like you said there's kind of like the story here that's suffering and who was one of the writers of this film so um, <laughs> I think kind of we've got nothing negative to say against Bayona. It's it's maybe the Trevoro Trevoro uh, side of things, but yeah, this <laughs> film visually, it's it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, almost in a way, I wonder if Trevoro. I mean, he definitely had some ridiculous ideas in the first one, but we kind of praised Jurassic World for not being as over the top as people were claiming it was, and that it had some subtlety and it had some logic to all these things like the uh the hybrid dinosaurs and uh everything else and i i almost feel like not that he's sabotaged but he's like i'm not directing this movie so i'm just gonna go all out and i'm gonna deliver a script that is so ridiculous <laughs> so if people don't like it i'm definitely a shoe in for the sequel because it's gonna be like jj abrams for star wars funny enough like him getting fired from star wars like well we got to get jj back to do episode nine because he did so good with episode seven <laughs> i almost feel like maybe he he was empowered to do some of the real absurd stuff in this movie just because he knew it might secure him for the next one. I'm not playing conspiracy theorists here or anything. <laughs> uh, but I will agree with you. Like What Bayona does with this very awful script at times is extraordinary. And all those moments that I'm going to talk about when we go through like the, the best stuff in here, uh, they're all visual things. They're, they're, it's not even always just action scenes because I think he handles the action okay. There's a couple of scenes that I thought were really thrilling but a lot of it was just like that shot looks incredible and it kind of reminds me of like um like you know the 
the um, the 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 water in Jurassic Park one, like the ripples on the water, mm-hmm. or that first giant pan up shot to the Brachiosaurus and everything. It's just the way that they presented these dinosaurs to make them larger in life. Because uh, I'll just say one of my favorite moments in this movie is when we see the Baryonyx, mm. and uh, of course my nephew immediately was like, "Baryonyx, Baryonyx," <laughs> but they're talking about like. Oh, that's not a T-Rex. They're like, no, it's bigger. It actually isn't. It's a very small dinosaur. But the way that they build for that, where it's kind of down a tunnel and there's flashes of light that you're seeing it, I'm like, that's the way to build suspense. Because when you actually do see it like in the flesh, it's not a T-Rex. And yeah. But the way they built it up was like, oh, no, forget the T-Rex. Like This thing will kill the T-Rex. So, yeah, he did an incredible job of presenting, presenting the dinosaurs for the most part in this. Um, and I do think that the Indoraptor is more successful than the Indominus, partly because it's not as intelligent of a creature. This is more just the pure killing beast. And visually, it has enough of a different look. Like with the Indominus, you have to really look at it closely to say, what is this, a T-Rex or the Indominus? With this, you know it's not the Raptor. Uh, but yeah, so many good moments in this movie. Even just the opening sequence, like I'm sure we'll talk about the opening sequence the dinosaur, I don't want to spoil it because this has a traditional Jurassic Park pre-title scene that we were missing so much in Jurassic World. And I mean, it blew me away. I think it's it's up there with the, it may be better than the original, I think. This may be the best pre-title sequence they've had. And the dinosaur that's featured in it, you barely see it. But again, it's the way it's shot that just, it made this feel a little bit bigger than it was. Yeah, yeah. And there was, there's definitely a, a, something I want to mention in that spoiler episode with that, that I, I don't know if I'm hearing things. But anyway, we'll get to that. Um, just quickly on the dinosaurs, because I think kind of for the most part, we've covered the bases. Uh, uh, the two things I want to talk about with the dinosaurs quickly and the score, uh, just the dinosaurs, again... The one thing I will say that maybe is a little bit too much with the Jurassic World part of, of Jurassic Park franchise as opposed to the Jurassic Park section is I feel in Jurassic World they shove more down your throat and you don't get to a pre... Like, you just said the Baryonics. Like, it's great, we've got the Baryonics, but it's kind of a short scene it's done with. Um, and then all mm. of a sudden, you know, there's a... What is a Ceratosaurus? And, like, you know, you've got all these ones just shoved down your throat, which it's great to see. Whereas I feel like, at least in the Jurassic Park trilogy, you got a little bit more time to appreciate them. Like, obviously, the Spinosaurus, for example, you know, the whole movie's kind of about it. And we talked about how, you know, essentially, um, you know, one, the raptors are more common in one, the T-Rex in the other. So I like what they're doing, but, and like the Indoraptor, I agree with you. It's a lot better than the Indominus Rex, even though it's, it's, it's weird the fact that they've combined, and I don't know if this is actually, is it a spoiler if I say what the the Indoraptor's combined with? Maybe. We'll wait to the spoiler episode just in case people go off. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, the one thing that I, I noticed with this one, with the dinosaurs, is that with the raptor, like, we've only got Blue. Blue's the only raptor in this film. Um, like, you see the raptors in the original Jurassic Park trilogy. Now, to me, mm-hmm. raptors are just kind of like a, a big dog. <laughs> like, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's no fear about the raptors anymore. Like, we love the raptors. Like, don't get me wrong. They're a great side. They should have made it further in the NBA this year, but they've changed their coach. But I, oh, <laughs> the real dinosaurs, like, I get, we talked about this, like, you understand that they're trainable and everything, but for what they did with Jurassic World to this film, I just feel now that, like, we just think of raptors as just a pet, a domesticated dinosaur, yeah. and I just miss that level of fear and intrigue about the raptors that we had in the original trilogy. So that's kind of my only complaint about the dinosaurs now, is that I just, they've dumbed down the raptor, even though they obviously made it more domesticated. And this is another one of the problems, is that this movie contradicts all of the Jurassic Park movies that come before it, including Jurassic World, which is why it's amazing. It's the same screenwriters as the first one. 
because you take Blue as a character, and I liked those scenes because it, it gave Blue this personality, but yeah, you lose so much with the Raptors, and, and it's complete contradiction because in the first one, he's around these Raptors every single day. This is his job, you know, uh, at least eight hours a day, five days a week, and he has to keep a distance from Like He could be in the same vicinity as the Raptors, but most of the time they're muzzled. And when he's out in the wild with him, that's like the first thing you say. This is the first time we've ever done this. When that guy falls into the Raptor pen, they're about ready to kill him. And there's a moment in this, and uh, this isn't much of a spoiler, but one of the things is that when they go back and they show this research that Owen did, uh, it, it shows that if I show a weakness to a raptor, they try to attack me. This is when they're babies, when he knows he can't hurt them. It's like, if I show weakness in front of Blue, Blue comforts me. Like, Blue was the one ready to rip that guy's head off in the first movie when he fell in there and was ready to rip Owen's head off and actually yeah. did turn on him at one point. So this relationship between him and Blue seems to have matured at some point in the three years where he's had no contact with this animal <laughs> that's now living in the wild on its own. Yeah. And yet now that it's like they're BFFs and this yeah. never existed in the first they were movie. texting each other the whole time, posting pictures on yeah. Instagram. Miss you, bae. Um, Snapchatting from yeah, his Manublard to Montana. It's, I mean, again, we can see what they're doing, but yeah, you're, you're right. And it's just, that's a, that's a disappointing part for it. And even the T-Rex, Rexy, like, it almost comes across like she's a bumbling buffoon at the best bit. Like, I mean, like, she's not a focus on this film. She has a couple of great scenes, but there's just a level of fear about Rexy that gets taken away because it's kind of like, we've seen the trailer scene when she's in the truck. Like, it's just, I don't know. Like, that's, these are classic dinosaurs from the, the original movies that they've just kind of dumbed down and, you know, like, the, the dinosaurs really aren't, the big star of this film in many ways like the indoraptor yes but even then it's kind of just a comes in pretty late yeah so it's it's an interesting sort of take with the dinosaurs on it but um i mean the music the score i i don't know if you've got the soundtrack yet i got the soundtrack sort of just after i saw it and it wasn't something in the cinema that really stood out to me there were a couple of moments it wasn't like jurassic world that was kind of unique and you left remembering it but listening to it in isolation you really feel the tension and kind of the darkness to it and that kind of also that over the top cartoon because there's a lot of those like pieces are just like you know that sort of opera like coming dramatics happening but i actually yeah i'm I'm a fan of the score i don't think we were ever going to come out of this saying that we're not but um maybe not as memorable as you know jurassic world jurassic park and the lost world but it's kind of there with jurassic park 3 that it's not a bad score but it's got its highlights but yeah it's still an enjoyable Mm -hmm. score yeah, and I, I think it's probably going to be very similar to my reaction from Jurassic World, because I mentioned the Jurassic World episode that when I saw it, I wasn't like blown away by the music, even though I love Michael Giacchino. I mean, I get every soundtrack he has. Jurassic World, I listened through it, and I didn't stop listening to it for two or three weeks. I listened to only that every single day for three weeks. And I'm sure it'll be the same with this one because it's the same thing. I walked out of this, I'm like, yeah, that was good, but nothing really stood out that much to me. Uh, But I I think what they definitely do on this one is those scenes, and I don't know if it is just Bayona's direction versus Trevor or if it is Giacchino bringing in more of a darker score than an adventure score. In, In a way, it almost feels like the score for Jurassic World would have been better suited for the tone of this movie because Jurassic World's like an adventure score. And this, the music was darker, as you said, and it felt more ominous, which would have, I think, improved Jurassic World a little bit. So it would be interesting to do like a a music swap between these two. 
Well, you're you're good at editing, so you could try your hand at that. Or <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you do that. Um, I mean, again, unless there's anything else to talk about, I think the majority we're going to talk about in our uh, spoiler review. But uh, I guess we can at least sh- shall we rate this first, and then maybe quickly rank our five films, or do you want to rank the five? And how do you want to do this? Uh, well, just before we rate or rank this. Uh, I just want to mention a couple other moments because I, I don't want to give the impression like with The Last Jedi, we were all like, yeah, it was it was good. It just wasn't as good as the others. When I say like that, you know, this movie is preposterous or whatever. Again, I immediately want to watch this again. I think the only Jurassic Park movie I never had the urge to watch a second time until it came out on video was The Lost World. I was OK with seeing that just once and one and done with this. I was immediately thinking I kind of want to see that again, even though I know the movie's a mess. Uh but it's because there's so many moments like that pre-title sequence is fantastic. The stampede as the the volcano is going off, that dinosaur stampede. I mean, that was like watching the tsunami sequence in The Impossible yeah. <laughs> with dinosaurs instead yeah. of water. It, it was just it was beautiful to watch, and it was like really just shot incredibly and, and very exciting. And that closing uh, especially scene like how hits, it ends. The, hits the feels. Yeah, that closing scene. Yeah, is sad. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, and then, you know, once the big Indoraptor chase happens at the end, like that, that felt like a Jurassic Park movie to me again. Um, and then, of course, like I said, the Baryonyx scene, like I think for the most part, whenever you, you could focus on just one dinosaur in an attack, I thought it was great. It's just a lot of the story stuff that gets mixed up. But yeah, let's go ahead and rank it unless there's any other moments that you want to talk about you really like. No, I mean, do you, I mean maybe this is a spoiler thing, but d- did you leave the cinema going, holy shit, I can't wait for the sixth film now? Um, well, yeah, I, I think that this is, it's a weird one because not like so much like Solo where I'm like, okay, I absolutely have to see that. I'm skeptical about the sixth one because of how different you could see the direction they're going to go in. And also because I believe it is another huge plot hole, <laughs> but it's something where I'm like, I kind of want to see that as opposed to when they have tried to take it in different directions like san diego in the first one or you know the dinosaur auction in this one or jurassic backyard <laughs> if they're not just going to be on the island i think that there's some interesting ideas that they're setting up for the sixth one where it's got me intrigued i don't know if i'm 100 percent on board where i'm loving it but i'm more interested than i think i was coming out of jurassic world thinking oh i can't wait to see where they're gonna go with you know the Jurassic World two, I think Jurassic World three has a much better setup than this one does. Well, as we know, Disney's now shelved all uh, Star Wars anthology movies anyway, so I don't think we're ever going to get a Solo two, <laughs> at least for the moment. So who knows? I'm um, sure they'll still do Obi Wan. Mate, yeah, well, hopefully, uh, at least we're going to get a Solo two to get that cameo out of it. Uh, I'll just say in the background, Mallory shouted that she's going to rent this film. Um, I, okay. for one, am going to buy this. I I did thoroughly enjoy it, even though it's got glaring things wrong with it. Um, and again, it's kind of it's going to be something that you know we're going to nitpick, and we'll go over in the spoiler review shortly. But um, I I am again working my way to go and see this one, and you know I would I talked about this in Jurassic World that I left the cinema going, wow, that was awesome, and I think kind of I feel this way more with this film, and obviously my thoughts on Jurassic World have diminished over the years. That's so probably going to be the same with this before we get to Jurassic World three. But uh, yeah, I'm buying this film i i enjoyed it despite the despite its flaws uh i mean i've been telling people all day talking about this movie like i'm a big enough fan of this franchise or just dinosaurs in general but especially this franchise where it doesn't matter what they do i'm gonna pay to come back every time and i am gonna buy this i mean when it does come out i'll be there first day to buy the blu-ray of the 3d one or whatever Uh, having said that i mean i rented the lost world and i'm kind of torn between this and the lost world (laughs) uh at 
this point, I mean, I would say it's fair for me to say I would rent this, even though personally I would buy it because I think the recommendations, I don't know if this is one where it's like, people have to go see this movie now. I don't know if this is one where I'm like, even though I'm more interested to see this a second time than I was The Lost World, it's almost more curiosity. I'm not sure how it's going to hold up. So for now, I'm going to go with a rented. And I'm sure when Jurassic World 3 comes out, um, we're, we're going to revisit this one and maybe I'll upgrade it to a buy it. It's just at this point, I'm still sort of in the middle of is the stuff I loved so good where I'm going to love it even more a second time or is the stuff I didn't like going to be just unbearable when i watch the second time do you want to do a quick ranking i mean where would you fit this overall you said it's torn between this and the lost worlds the lost world i think from memory was your fourth so would you put this above or below it at this point i'm going to put it slightly above uh for two reasons one again i walked out of the last lost world thinking yeah that was a good movie i probably had less complaints about it but i'm like yeah i don't need to go back and see it again right away with this one i'm like i kind of want to see it again I have a lot more complaints with this, but I think the fact that it has me interested to revisit some of that good stuff a second time. Also, I think the difference being, you know, you can have a movie that just nails it for an hour and a half straight like The Lost World did. And if they lose you in that last 15, 20 minutes, in a way, they kind of lost you permanently. Whereas it's kind of the opposite thing. I mean, this movie can just be garbage for an hour and a half. And that last half hour, I mean, it ended strong enough where I was probably more satisfied walking out of this than The Lost World. So again, first viewing, I'd put this fourth. I would put The Lost World as the last. Well, I'd put this third because that means my order is one, two, five, four, three. Uh, so that's after a first viewing. So yeah, I mean, I think I've said it, what I like about this film. And again, I'm dumb because I like Dying of the Day. So... Um, you know, there's that part of it too. But, uh, yeah, I think we're both just chumping at the bit to get to our spoiler review episode. Um, this has been fun. Everybody, in the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, all the social medias. There's now Google Podcasts is now a thing. So, uh, if you're an Android user, that's, uh, sort of the podcast app of choice now. Um, I know it's only very new, but Google have said that they're going to be, you know, changing it over the time and it's going to, they're going to try and rival Apple with sort of their, uh, podcast app. So, uh, we're on it. If you're on there, uh, find us on there. And uh, I had a bit of a look at it last night and I'm telling you now, it's actually really easy to use. So, uh, yeah, we're on there and, uh, we hope you enjoy this. And if you really want to get to the nitty gritty of this film, then stop listening to this right now, which it's ending anyway, and download our spoiler review, which is just about to happen. My name is Ben and Raw. <laughs> and my name is Colin. And after watching this, I kind of feel like I need a bath. I mean a bath. I'm, I'm not an animal. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.